Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep uh, with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep literature like the dictionary laws various manuals the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads and other random, boring ideas. Tonight, we return to the soothing act of gardening, and what better way to start such a meditating hobby than to read The Manual of Gardening by L.H. Bailey. Second edition, published first in nineteen ten. Sometimes in life, it's nice to just stop and smell the roses. Well, how about falling asleep, listening to some guy read a one hundred year old manual? about plotting a garden. I think it's just as poignant. If you find yourself enjoying this experience, please follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Because at the end of the day, hey, the more people that sleep with Josh, the better. Feel free to also follow me on social media at Josh Yang Comedy. Now sit back, close your eyes, and imagine yourself lying on some freshly cut grass in the middle of a sunlit garden because you'll get tired of this podcast guaranteed Manual of Gardening A Practical Guide to the Making of Home Grounds and the Growing of Flowers, Fruits, and Vegetables for Home Use by L. H. Bailey Second Edition 
from 1910. Continuing with Chapter 2 The General Plan or Theory of the Place With the section Birds and Cats The picture in the landscape is not complete without birds. And the birds should comprise more species than English sparrows. If one is to have birds on his premises, he must one, attract them, and two, protect them. One attracts birds by providing places in which they may nest. The free border plantings have distinct advantages in attracting chipping sparrows, catbirds, and other species. The bluebirds, house wrens, and martens may be attracted by boxes in which they can build. One may attract birds by feeding them and supplying water. Suet for woodpeckers and others. Grain and crumbs for other kinds. And taking care not to frighten or molest them will soon win the confidence of the birds. A slowly running or dripping fountain with a good rim on which they may perch will also attract them. And it is no mean enjoyment to watch the birds at bathing. Or if one does not care to go to the expense of a bird fountain, he may supply their wants by means of a shallow dish of water set on the lawn. The birds will need protection from cats. There is no more reason why cats should roam at will and uncontrolled than that dogs or horses or poultry should be allowed unlimited license. A cat away from home is a trespasser and should be so treated. A person has no more right to inflict a cat on a neighborhood than to inflict a goat or rabbits or any other nuisance. All persons who keep cats should feel the same responsibility for them that they feel for other property. And they should be willing to forfeit their property right when they forfeit their control. The cats not only destroy birds but they break the peace. The caterwauling at night will not be permitted 
in well-governed communities any more than the shooting of firearms or vicious talking will be allowed. All night-roaming cats should be gathered in, just as stray dogs and tramps are provided for. I do not dislike cats, but I desire to see them kept at home and within control. If persons say that they cannot keep them on their own premises, then these persons should not be allowed to have them. I didn't realize this manual was going to get so Machiavelli in regards to neighborhood cat policy. A bell on the cat will prevent it from capturing old birds, and this may answer a good purpose late in the season. But it will not stop the robbing of nests or the taking of young birds. And here is where the greatest havoc is wrought. It is often asserted that cats must roam in order that rats and mice may be reduced. But probably few house mice and few rats are got by wandering cats. And again, many cats are not mousers. There are other ways of controlling rats and mice, or if cats are employed for this purpose. See that they are restricted to the places where the house rats and mice are to be found. Many persons like squirrels. Many persons like squirrels about the place. But they cannot expect to have both birds and squirrels unless very special precautions are taken. The English or house sparrow drives away the native birds, although he is himself an attractive inhabitant in winter, particularly where native birds are not resident. The English sparrow should be kept in reduced numbers. This can be easily accomplished by poisoning them in winter, when other birds are not endangered, with wheat soaked in strychnine water. The contents of one of the 8th ounce vials of strychnine that may be secured at a drugstore is added to sufficient water to cover a quart of wheat. Let the wheat stand in the poison water 24 to 48 hours. 
but not long enough for the grains to sprout. Then dry the wheat thoroughly. It cannot be distinguished from ordinary wheat, and sparrows usually eat it freely, particularly if they are in the habit of eating scattered grain and crumbs. Of course, the greatest caution must be exercised that in the use of such highly poisonous materials, accidents do not occur with other animals or with human beings. Part 3 Open Centered Treatment in a Semi Tropical Country. The planting is part of the design or pictures. There is a select number of diagrams and drawings in this part. If the reader catches the full meaning of these pages, he has acquired some of the primary conceptions in landscape gardening. The suggestion will grow upon him day by day, and if he is of an observing turn of mind, he will find that this simple lesson will revolutionize his habit of thought. Respecting the planting of grounds and the beauty of landscapes. He will see that a bush or flower bed that is no part of any general purpose or design, that is, which does not contribute to the making of a picture, might better never have been planted. For myself, I would rather have a bare and open pasture than such a yard as that shown in figure 9, even though it contained the choicest plants of every land. The pasture would, at least, be plain and restful and unpretentious, but the yard would be full of effort and fidget. Reduced to a single expression, all this means that the greatest artistic value in planting lies in the effect of the mass, and not in the individual plant. A mass has the greater value because it presents a much greater range and variety of forms, colors, shades, and textures, because it has sufficient extent or dimensions to add structural character to a place, and because its features are so continuous and so well blended that the mind is not distracted by incidental and irrelevant ideas. Figures 10, 11, 
are pictures of natural copses. The former stretches along a field and makes a lawn of a bit of meadow which lies in front of it. The landscape has become so small and so well defined by this bank of verdure that it has a familiar and personal feeling. The great bare open meadows are too ill-defined and too extended to give any domestic feeling. But here is a part of the meadow set off into an area that one can compass with his affections. These masses in figures 10, 11, and 12 have their own intrinsic merits, as well as their office in defining a bit of nature. One is attracted by the freedom of arrangement, the irregularity of skyline, the bold bays and promontories, and the infinite play of light and shade. The observer is interested in each because it has character or features that no other mass in all the world possesses. He knows that the birds build their nests in the tangle and the rabbits find it a covert. Now let the reader turn to figure nine, which is a picture of an quote-unquote improved city yard. Here, there is no structural outline to the planting, no defining of the area, no continuous flow of the form and color. Every bush is what every other one is, or may be, and there are hundreds like them in the same town. The birds shun them. Only the bugs find any happiness in them. The place has no fundamental design or idea, no lawn upon which a picture may be constructed. This yard is like a sentence or a conversation in which every word is equally emphasized. In bold contrast with this yard is the open center treatment in figure 13. Here, there is pictorial effect and there is opportunity along the borders to distribute trees and shrubs that may be desired 
as individual specimens. The motive that shears the trees also raises the cops in order that the gardener or quote-unquote improver may show his art. Compare figures 14 and 15. Many persons seem to fear that they will never be known to the world unless they expend a great amount of muscle or do something emphatic or spectacular, and their fears are usually well-founded. It is not enough that trees and bushes be planted in masses. They must be kept in masses by letting them grow freely in a natural way. The pruning knife is the most inveterate enemy of shrubbery. Pictures 16 and 17 illustrate what I mean. The former represents a good group of bushes, so far as arrangement is concerned, but it has been ruined by the shears. The attention of the observer is instantly arrested by the individual bushes. Instead of one free and expressive object, there are several stiff and expressionless ones. If the observer stops to consider his own thoughts when he comes upon such a collection, he will likely find himself counting the bushes or, at least, he will be making mental comparisons of the various bushes and wondering why they are not all sheared to be exactly alike. Figure 17 shows how the same quote-unquote artist has treated two ducias and a juniper. Much the same effect could have been secured, and with much less trouble, by laying two flower barrels end to end and standing a third one between them. I must hasten to say that I have not the slightest objection to the shearing of trees. The only trouble is in calling the practice art and in putting the trees where people must see them, unless they are part of a recognized formal garden design. If the operator simply calls the business shearing and puts the things where he and others who like them may see them, objection could not be raised. Some persons like painted stones, others iron bulldogs in the front yard, and the word quote-unquote welcome worked into the doormat. 
and others like barbered trees. So long as these likes are purely personal, it would seem to be better taste to put such curiosities in the backyard, where the owner may admire them without molestation. There is a persistent desire among workmen to shear and to trim. It displays their industry. It is a great thing to be able to allow the freedom of nature to remain. The artist often builds his structures into a native planting, as in figure 18, rather than to trust himself to produce a good result by planting on raised surfaces. In this discussion, I have tried to enforce the importance of the open center in non-formal home grounds in Greensward regions. Of course, this does not mean that there may not be central planting, in particular cases where conditions distinctly call for it, nor that there may not be trees on the lawn. If one has the placing of the trees, he may see that they are not scattered aimlessly. But if good trees are already growing on the place, it would be folly to think of removing them merely because they are not in the best ideal positions. In such case, it may be very necessary to adapt the treatment of the area to the trees. The homemaker should always consider, also, the planting of a few trees in such places as to shade and protect the residents. The more closely they can be made a part of the general design or handling of the place, the better the results will be. That is where we're going to end this episode of the Manual of Gardening. Thank you for listening, and congratulations, you've just slept with Josh. But if you're still awake, please follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice. And don't forget to tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Thank you. And good night. <laughs>